0: Now, time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network,
1: and we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian restaurant meal. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Check it out. Go visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout Championship Computer Game banner. Download yourself a copy today. It's a great game. It's a simulation game, same game that Alex Papali uses uh, in our uh, Blast from the Past uh, segment, so uh, check that out. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molyneux from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told um coming up a little bit later we'll have uh, my man Dax Khan join us and uh, hopefully uh, Alex Papali as well um my partner in crime, Sal Rocky Kroll, Cola. Krolla, <laughs> Cola, man, uh, will be uh, joining me in a few minutes here. Uh, today we're going to talk about, of course, first and foremost, uh, our post-fight thoughts from the Daniel Jacobs uh, middleweight title fight against Sergei uh, Deverenchenko last night on HBO. Uh, HBO uh, will be giving us a, a one more broadcast to close out their boxing. I, I, I just want to make a point. I found it kind of funny that they're uh advertising a face-off uh with uh um uh Tiger um in a golf uh matchup uh uh, you know I just uh I was just saying to myself oh geez they're leaving boxing now they're gonna get into golf Uh, it's kind of different but anyway let's get to uh uh Daniel Jacobs win last night um you know I He won the fight, the way the judges scored it, 115-112 twice for Danny Jacobs. I don't have a problem with that score. I do agree with that score. Um, I disagreed with uh, my man Harold Letterman's uh, one-sided, lopsided score. The 114-113 scorecard for Deverenchenko was uh, kind of uh, uh, strange to me. Um, You know, I I thought that uh, um, it was uh, a little uh, out of whack. Um, but, uh, but hey, I, it depends how you, uh, <laughs> and then they said, let there be video. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, uh, anyway, okay. I'll let you in on a, on a little secret, you know, Sal, you know, my, my man, my man, my technically challenged uh, partner in crime, Sal Rocky Santacola has just made an appearance on a camera. So let's switch over to him because uh, the reason I-, I mention this is because he was kicking and screaming and crying like a, li- a little child there uh, about five minutes ago. Good morning, Sal. <laughs>
2: good morning, Billy C. I figured it
1: out. Oh, that's, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> that's good, my man. That's good. Uh, well, listen uh before we uh we get uh, to it here, I, I just want to give my quick thoughts on the fight and then get yours of course uh I was saying about the scores um I'm okay with with the uh with the scores. I was a little uh, perplexed with the uh one judge uh, and it, had, it happened to have been uh julie <laughs> yeah. Letterman Julie yeah. Letterman scored the fight uh 113 for uh um I could see it if you were looking for the aggressor and in the latter rounds. I thought that Devorinchenko was coming on. Danny Jacobs, I couldn't put my finger on it. I I, I think uh, Andre Rozier, his trainer, is has got to be the worst trainer in, in boxing. He really is. And I don't know if, if he's – if Daniel Jacobs doesn't fight the way he could, I, and I'll give you an example. Daniel Jacobs had the height and the reach, and he was boxing beautifully. Beautifully. But he, he seemed to not want to engage, which, uh, listen, we don't need to have a – rocky Cola style fight every single time but he had this guy uh, you know he was hitting him at will with the with the uh with his reach you know setting him up with a jab he, he worked the body and he seemingly took his foot off the gas which i thought was a mistake and that's what got server and uh devinchenko back into the fight uh, my thoughts were that he was kind of getting tired, but then he would come on and prove me wrong. So I, I couldn't figure it out. Do you think he was giving him too much respect? I mean, what was your thoughts on, on Danny's uh, performance, Sal?
2: You know, I thought he did exactly what he had to do to win in a the, in the sense. And, you know, my score was quite different from Harold Letterman, who I'm um, usually on the same page 99 out of 100 times. Uh, I wasn't quite the score as his daughter, but uh, I, I did have it as far as maybe uh, – uh, I think I scored at 116-112, um, and you know it was definitely uh, Daniel Jacobs was the winner, and I clearly saw that he had his moments, uh, but you know uh, Sergey Jeverenchenko definitely tried to capitalize on a few moments that he had, and he was the aggressor for the most fight, and he uh, most of the fight, and he did come up with the, some some uh, combinations and rights and lefts. And he tried to stick to a body attack, which I thought was working, but uh, he abandoned it after, I guess, frustration. And uh, I, I think, you know, all in all, Daniel Jacobs' performance. I think they had a, a somewhat of a familiarity between the two. They had supposedly 300 rounds between sparring, so there is a little bit of a mutual respect, a little bit of, hey, I know what I'm gonna, I, I know what I can do with you now, uh, kind of uh, mindset with that. And uh, I got you right where I wanted you, and you know I think I think it was a a, a decent performance by Daniel Jacobs, not his stellar, not his most uh, illustrious uh, uh, fight, but uh, you know he it was a great fight. He engaged. They both were uh, uh, exchanging some good, solid shots. Uh, but I I did expect more from uh, Daniel Jacobs than what we saw.
1: What I was looking for. And my point is I agree with you, Danny Jacobs. Uh, fought a smart fight, but he fought, what I would say, just enough to win, and, and that's a dangerous game plan, and that I blame on Rosier. This is why I can't stand him. This is why I think he's such an awful trainer. You know, Daniel Jacobs has some pop. He's clearly got some, some boxing ability. He can move around the ring fluently. Why not go in for the kill? And as far as the mutual respect point that you made, I agree. But, but you know, Roy Jones Jr. made a great point during the broadcast when he said, yeah, they fought 300 rounds together in sparring. But in sparring, they had 16-ounce gloves and headgear, and Deveranchenko was always in a position where he was – Emulating an opponent that Daniel Jacobs was going to fight, so a lot of times he was fighting uh, a different style. I I, I thought that Devonchenko made a mistake by trying to come out and do something different than what he does best, which is just attack his opponent. I also felt that the knockdown in the uh, first round where uh, Daniel Jacobs dropped uh, Devonchenko that it was it wasn't a solid shot. The commentators, you know, the one thing I can't stand about com- most commentators today. Is that they clearly show favoritism towards one fighter, and they were yeah. saying, they were saying, oh, because then when uh rocked Daniel Jacobs uh, a couple rounds later, you know they were going, well, you know he 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 just seemed to have hit Danny off his balance. It wasn't as stunning and as hurtful as Daniel Jacobs' knockdown was in the first round. And I'm saying to myself, what knockdown did they see? He was kind of like trying to get out of his way, and, and he and he went down. Yeah, he went down. It was a knockdown. He went down. But he wasn't hurt at all. He jumped up, and, uh, and and he was ready. He kept saying, good, I'm good, I'm good, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of, of, of Jacob's performance, Sal, to be honest with you. Because I say to myself, if you fight that cautiously at that next level, which you would think anyone, if, if he goes after anyone that's at that next level, um, which is should be his, his very next fight, if he gets stuck doing some mandatory, you know, uh, the guy can't fight the way he fought with Devinchenko. And, and Devinchenko displayed that he really he wasn't hurting Daniel Jacobs that much. He was landing some shots, but he didn't seem to hurt him. I just wonder if they're gun-shy with Jacobs because he does seem to get hurt when he gets hit, Sal.
2: Yeah, I I don't know, but I'll I, I tell you what. I did recognize some of the points that you just made. And, yeah, it, it was a knockdown. I saw that, you know, what was not uh, relayed too to well by the commentators was, yeah, Daniel Jacobs placed a really neat uppercut, a right-hand uppercut, and then he came over with the overhand right that caught him on the top of the head. So, yeah, he was off balance. It was a knockdown. But I agree with you. He was not that badly hurt. And uh, it was a, it was a, a not, not quite a flash knockdown, but the uppercut jarred him. And then the overhand right, like I said, just put him off balance. He tipped, and he went, he went down. Um, and Bill, you know, I, I've said several times in the past, and and not to take away, but you know, sometimes a fighter that we see go up against a triple G or or uh, other opponents lesser than a triple G or so, or when they have fought triple G. Sometimes they're just not the same afterwards. In other words, maybe they rise to the occasion. Maybe they look stellar at that moment. Maybe this and that. And I, I think, you know, there's a blanket statement, and I'm probably going to get some criticism, but sometimes I notice that they don't rise to that occasion again, or maybe the fight at Triple G or some somebody else has taken something, a little
1: bit out of them. I don't know. Um, well, then, then that's another thing. They're talking like, he almost beat Triple G. You know, he. You know, what are you talking about? I mean, that fight. Yeah, he hung in there. He stood. He he finished on his feet. You know, that's a victory when when you fight Triple G. Triple G is actually uh, you know an older fighter now. He's not the same guy that uh, Daniel Jacobs fought. But I'll tell you this: if Daniel Jacobs fought the way he fought against Devonchenco last night, if he steps in the ring with one of these fighters at that next level, who who? I, when I say next level, I mean guys like. Uh, Triple G, or Canelo, or even Billy Joe Saunders, or 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 even Demetrius Andre. if he fights like that against a a talented fighter, I'm not taking anything away from Sergey Devoranchenko. Deverenchenko. a one-dimensional fighter, and these other names that I mentioned, that next level, they're multi-level. They they have multi-dimension, I should say, and I I don't know if Daniel Jacobs can win with a game plan like he had against. Uh, uh, against
2: Deverenchenko, Sal.
1: That's my point.
2: Well, I, I think it's definitely a point to consider too. And and like I said, I was thinking the same thing as I was watching him. Yes, he was being effective against Deverenchenko. Uh and Deverenko wasn't just a a, a one dimensional opponent. He was he was a pretty pretty fiery uh world class fighter. But uh I thought I, I, I expected more from Daniel Jacobs. You know, from what I've seen him in the past, I've expected more. And uh, but like I said, a win is a win, and you could have an off night. And guess what? He's gonna come back and he'll show, and maybe he'll have a stellar performance next time out. And uh, uh, go ahead. no, no,
1: I just uh, we're gonna talk more about the uh, Jacobs fight. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What did you want to finish your thought?
2: No, I finished it. I uh, you, um, were
1: um, just, you were you <laughs> were rambling. Oh, okay, I I'm just good. want I just want to touch. I
2: think- I was doing fill-in
1: talk. I just want to touch base on some of the other fights that I want to talk about later on uh, uh, on the show. Um, if you watched the HBO broadcast, you saw the other two fights that were broadcast. WBA uh, super featherweight champ uh, Alberto Machado uh, took uh, uh, two minutes and twenty-five seconds to dismantle and knock out uh, Yondal Evans. Machado improves to twenty-one and zero with seventeen knockouts. Um, and uh, Evans drops to 20 wins, two losses with 14 knockouts. My, my issue with this fight, it was clearly Machado all the way. Um, Evans uh, never had a chance, but the referee almost got Evans killed. Uh, I, I think that this fight should have been stopped after the second knockdown. It was clear from me, watching on my couch, that this guy was not a hundred percent. He was his eyes were rolling back in his head. He wasn't responsive as well as he should be, and he wasn't even following the directions. Move over here. Move over there. Move over here. That's what, he's, what the, the ref was saying, and and he lets him continue. Uh, you see, that's where a commission needs to sit a referee down and say, hey. When a guy doesn't respond, the whole idea of having you ask the questions, are you okay, move over here, move over there, is to see how his response is. If he's stumbling around and his eyes are glassy and he can't respond, hello, that means don't let him continue. Stupid, stupid decision by the referee to let that fight uh, continue. And that uh, third knockdown uh, looked pretty severe. Uh, I have not heard any anything on uh, Evans' condition this morning, but uh, uh, hopefully he's okay. And in the fight of the night on HBO, in my opinion, and uh, let me tell you, if if you don't love Heather Hardy, I, I and I I can't wait to get Dax on because when Heather Hardy first hit the scene, I was I was uh, uh, very not anti Heather personally, but just anti the way she was being brought up and everything else. But I have grown. To absolutely not just because she's gorgeous, but I have grown to absolutely love Heather the Heat Hardy. Uh, she improved to twenty-two and zero and scored a ten-round uh, unanimous decision to, over Shelley uh, Vincent, who only has two losses. She's twenty-three and two, and both losses were against Heather Hardy, uh, Shalito, uh, which is uh, uh, Shelley's uh, nickname, Shalito's way. I thought she uh, fared very well. Uh, I thought the scores might have been a little closer. 97-93 twice. 97-91 in favor of Heather Hardy. Um, I I thought the scores were a little closer, but what an exciting fight. Uh, Heather Hardy uh, throws uh, a lot of punches, and so so does uh, um, uh, Shalito Vincent. But My my question to you, Sal, uh, and, and Jim Lampley made himself look like a complete moron, or maybe not. Maybe I'm the moron, but if a female fight is 2 minute rounds and a men's fight is 3 minute rounds and you throw x amount of punches in a female 2 minute round how the hell do you come up with it's like throwing this many punches in a 3 minute i know it's not it's throwing this many punches in 2 minutes if you want to get an accurate comparison between the total amount of punches how look how many punches a men's fight it takes How many punches are landed in two minutes? That was a completely ridiculous statement. What was your thought? Did you
2: catch that or no? I caught a lot, but I'll tell you what. It's funny. It really is. And and I know his foundation of thought right there. He's looking at the cumulative blows in the two-minute period and averaging them out per round and just adding another round in there. And, another uh, minute,
1: another minute, but another but but that's points. not math. That that's not a correct all. mathematical it's statement. Not that's
2: reality. all. It's not reality. Hey, guess what? I believe that fight last time they fought was one of the fights of the year. Correct? When uh, Heather Hardy and Vincent s- fought somebody,
1: correct? and for female fights, yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
2: and, I, and let me tell you, you could see why. I mean, they were action packed. It was a great fight. You saw why why Heather Hardy is, is the champion, and she. Uh, she, she's not afraid to engage. Neither was was Shelly Vincent. I mean, these these both these women wanted to win this fight. And Heather Hardy, you know, just had a little more firepower, a little bit more. Uh, I, I think she was definitely uh, hitting the mark a little bit better a little bit more effectively. And that's why she won the fight. But uh, Vincent was not to be discounted. I mean, she was in the fight the whole way. And she let herself be known. No, it was a very exciting, very good fight. And uh, no matter what the punch stat or punch count was uh you have two minutes of action packed no nonsense kind of engaging fights and exchanging of punches that you look to see in in a world-class fight and these both these women were world-class
1: yeah you know it's 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 i I find it strange that uh shelly vincent doesn't throw as many Uh, hard punches as she does i i i I, the way her body is she's compact and and her style of fighting you would think she would have a lot more pop behind her punches and apparently she doesn't um or she's not delivering them correctly and that's another thing i noticed with daniel jacobs uh, during his fight he was slapping uh with the with the palm of his hand I, i think he's starting to pick up some bad habits i this Andre Razier is terrible. But anyway, let me just jump ahead uh, to some other fights as well. In an IBF heavyweight title elimination bout. Whew, I hate those elimination bouts. What, what I liked about this fight was it actually put two legitimate top ten contenders against each other. Something that, um, you know, this fraud, this big fat baby fraud uh, that's actually getting a world title shot and they're leaving the opponent's secret. It's a secret. It'll be announced. You know, it's like, give me a break. They're still looking for some slug to put this fat pig in against. And and I would like to see him fight a legitimate top ten contender, which he hasn't done. Uh, and here's P- he ducked Pulev. But Pulev uh, fights uh, Fury. Unless they're waiting to see. Uh, well, they can't because this was an IBF uh, eliminator and a uh, uh, fat pig Miller is fighting. Uh, for the WBA regular title, which is a joke in itself. But Kubot Pulov scored a unanimous decision over Huey Fury. He improved to 26 and 1 uh, his uh, uh, only loss coming at the hands of uh, Klitschko. Um, so uh, the, uh, uh, and Huey Fury loses for the second time in his career. He's 21 and 2 uh, with 11 knockouts. Uh, His two losses coming uh, now at the hands of Pulev, and his only other uh, loss uh, was uh, against uh, Joseph Parker. Uh, The way the judges scored at 117, 111, 118, 110, 115, 113. It was kind of uh, a hug fest for a while. Um, That's what... uh, uh, um, A lot of times when you watch Huey Fury, that's how he fights. But uh, uh, Pulev deserved this fight, and he deserved the win, and he deserves a shot at uh, Anthony Joshua, who's the uh, IBF uh, uh, champion. So we'll see when Pulev fights this guy. Uh, But uh, I would much rather see Pulev fight uh, Fat Miller because Fat Miller's a bum, in my opinion, and I'd like to see him fight a real fight. They're going to feed him another slug. Uh, to fight for the title. Then he's going to claim that he's the real champ. You watch. I, I I see it all. It it makes me sick. But anyway, two other fights I want to talk about. Um, uh, interim, uh, uh super lightweight champ and uh, uh, Regis Progress improved to 23-0 and with 19 knockouts when he scored a, a 12-round decision over Terry Flanagan. This was an impressive uh, win for Progress. Uh, Flanagan drops the second fight of his career, 33-2 and now, 119-108. 118-109 uh, uh, and 117-110 were the way the judges scored it. I'm okay with uh, scorecards like that. One point difference. Uh, it was an uh, entertaining fight in my opinion. And uh, finally, uh, for the vacant IBF junior welterweight title, Ivan Baranchek improved to 19-0 and and, uh, with 12 knockouts when he stopped Anthony Yiget, who loses for the first time in his career. He's now 21-1 one and 1 uh, in the seventh round to pick up that strap so congratulations to, uh, Baron on that one. But Sal real quick. Um, you know, that's the way fights should be. We talk about this all the time. Contender fight and contender. The winner moves up to fight a champion. You know, this fat Miller crap makes me sick. And Pulov, he ducked Pulov. He clearly ducked Pulov. And now he gets a world title shot and Pulov gets another eliminator.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's politics as usual in a fight game on that level. And, uh, you know they do the little finagling here and there and uh you know take a sidestep take a payment take a this take that and it, it's a different game today bill i was the hardest one to convince of that you know i i'm the rip van winkle of boxing i i fell asleep and, and took some time off and when i woke up it's a whole nother world and uh i i can't believe some of the things you know i i feel like going back retro you know let's have eight ounce gloves let's have Uh, Let's have the same day weigh-in. Let's go 15 rounds for a title fight. You know, that's what I'm talking about. But uh, it's a different game. Let's have the top 10 contenders uh, vie for the top spot to get a world title shot. Let Let the champion defend it every six months against the number one ranked contender. Let him fight anybody else in the top 10 or 15 he wants to in between. You know, these are things that built this game to be where the champions looked at as an elitist, and not just another another belt carrier that uh, is happened to have a, a, a belt draped over his shoulder or on his waistline uh, from all the sanctioning bodies creating uh, these different uh, titles just for the uh, sanctity of, of, of having money generated.
1: Boxing, that that's the way it is. That's the way it is now, Sal. It's never. It's 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 never. No, it always was a business. But it's never. It's never gonna. It's never gonna get back to that. There, there. These. There is no such thing as a real champion anymore. The only way. The only closest. The closest thing we can get to a real champion, a, a pure champion in any division, is if they end up with all four of the major belts. That's it. That's the only way. But the, but they do not fight. This fight would impress me. And and don't get me wrong. I don't think Huey Fury should have even been a ranked fighter. But it is what it is. And he be, is he was a ranked fighter in multiple divisions. And so is Pulov. And they fight each other. That's the, the least we can expect from fighters. I keep saying this about Jarrell Miller. Who's he fought? You know, they're, they're pounding on his chest. He can't reach his chest because his arms and his chest is so fat. Billy, but, uh, so he's got, he's got other people pounding his chest for the fat pig. And, and who's he bragging about beating? 172-year-old Tomas Adamak, who was a puffed-up uh, heavyweight after he uh, was a light heavyweight uh, fighter and a cruiserweight fighter. Now he's a heavyweight, and he's 150 years old. Came out of retirement uh, to fight Danny, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, to fight Fat Pig Miller, and and you're going to get uh, a title shot as a reward? That You see, this is the part of the sport that I hate. This is the part that's pushing me out faster than I ever thought it would. I don't mind seeing... Uh, you know the fights that we don't really want to see I don't really mind I can live with all the titles I can even live with the marination process But what I can't live with is when guys don't even fight anybody And they're able to get a title shot and that's what's happened with Miller You know that that's really what's happened with Miller You take a look at the main fight from the weekend Daniel Jacobs against uh, Sergey Deverenchenko well Daniel Jacobs earned uh, his spot He clearly earned it. Yes, he took an easy title shot, in my opinion. No disrespect to Sergei Deverenchenko, but I didn't think that he stood a chance with Danny Jacobs. And, And the truth of the matter is, is that title shouldn't have even been vacant. That title actually... Should have uh, well, uh, Triple G shouldn't have lost it in the beginning. But that fight should, that title should actually be in Canelo's possession right now. Instead, they strip it from from Triple G. They make uh uh Deveranchenko. He was the reason because he was a mandatory for Triple G, which w- is a joke in itself. The guy is twelve and one and now. Yeah,
2: they eight, eight fights. He's got
1: he had twelve fights? pro fights. Twelve. you know, thirteen now. Uh, but but Jacobs fought a, a, a legitimate guy that's all my point is you know it. he Absolutely. fought a legitimate guy and and you know you can't say that with with uh, uh Jarrell baby Mill you can't you know and it's a joke it's a joke it it, it makes me sick Sal. So.
2: like I said bill I I had the hardest time with the realization that the game is that different today and uh, it's it's going to survive it's going to have its lows it's going to have its highs. And uh, we're going to be lifelong boxing fans. And that's what they know. It's just going to be frustrating to take the roller coaster and, and, and see the good years without the without these, uh, continuity of continuance. It's going to be, that's redundant, but I, you know what I mean. It's going to be a choppy ride. We're going to have some great years. We're going to have some not so great years. And the whole thing is going to be predicated on who's out there, who's the fodder, who's going to be the opponent, who's going to be the, the champion, who's going to be groomed, who's going to be managed, moved. And it, it, it's going to be, like I said earlier, too many belts, too many titles, too many champions, too many, too many, too much. It's, it's just too much. You know, our old buddy Boom Boom Mancini said it best in most simplistic terms. There's only one world. Why can't there only
1: be one world title? Good. Well, there should only be one world title, and it's sad that uh, the people today uh, don't uh, don't see it. You know that's that's for sure, and uh, it it really bothers me uh, to no end when uh, when that's what's going on in in the sport. To be honest with you, but uh, in any event, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break here. Hopefully, Sal is. You know what? Maybe. Uh, uh, hopefully you'll come back after we uh, get Dax on. Uh, we're gonna get uh, Dax on for a little bit, and I don't think uh, uh, we're gonna uh, have Alex today. He's a little under the weather, so make sure you stick around and uh, be ready for the uh, for the return here, Sal. So uh, you talking to, me? Uh, You're yeah. talking to me? Hey, you know how much I love come back. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> there was a guy. There was a guy that tried to break your record. I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, he came out and he would have broken your record. Except the problem is he lost the fight. <laughs>
2: I know. I saw Henry Haskup was commenting on that. Yeah. Because uh, actually, I think he did exceed the twenty-five years, sixty-six days, twenty-two and a half hours. I put the hours.
1: He in. did. He did exceed <laughs> that, yeah, but yeah. he
2: lost. But he lost. Right now, I'll tell you what. I'm trying to. I was told uh, by uh, none other than world famous. Uh, well, yeah, and and one of the best matchmakers in today's game. Eric Boxer, he, he was into the, rest, into the restaurant a couple of months ago and he said, Sal, there's a guy trying to break your world record. And I think his name was Damon Feldman. He's not trying.
1: He, 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 he was a promoter, like a celebrity boxing promoter. But well, hey, listen, know, let's but hold, that, hold, hold that thought. I got to take this break, brother. So we'll be take back you. to uh, uh, Sal right after uh, Dax is scheduled to join us. So uh, don't go anywhere. Else. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back.
0: Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
2: Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face?
0: I hate you.
1: I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning.
0: Now back... Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining me right now uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax.
0: Good morning. How's
1: everybody today? Uh, doing pretty well, my man. Um, before I ask you about the uh, Jacobs fight, I got to jump right into the Heather the Heat Hardy fight. You know, I uh, I admitted earlier. I don't know if you were listening, but when 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 Heather first came out, you you were you were doing interviews with her, and I think we even had her on the show once. And and you you were high on her back, even when she started. And I was negative. I you know not I had nothing against her or anything, but I, I was negative about you know, the rise and everything else. But I got to tell you, in the last few months, I have grown to absolutely love Heather Hardy. I mean, I just think that she's everything that's good about uh, the sport. What was your thoughts uh, on her performance yesterday?
0: Um, You know, at the start of that fight, I actually thought it was going to pick up right where the last fight left off. See, and I thought know, it she, did.
1: I thought it did. It, it Yeah, it, she,
0: she, Shelly went right after Heather. But, um... Heather has shown massive improvements in her overall skill set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, 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 she used footwork. She didn't just throw punches, um, hoping they would land. How about like, the jab?
1: Uh, How about that jab? That,
0: that's what I'm saying. In the past, you know, but, uh, yeah, she, yeah, she drew accurate punches. She worked the body. Um, her years, well, not years, but her time spent over in uh, MMA uh, with Bellator, I believe that that's helped her quite a bit. Uh, Heather, uh, she has a great chin. Uh, She's proved that over there If you've ever watched any of her MMA fights Some of the kicks and punches A bloody mess And Heather just keeps coming forward You know, she's genuinely, you know She's tough And she has evolved as a fighter As a genuine, legitimate fighter Not just, you know Somebody who goes out there And just hopes that um, They can overwhelm their opponent Or just hopes that You know, they're going to get the victory You know, so There's nothing that, you know You cannot appreciate about her The only thing that Heather still lacks A little bit is that punching power Other than that, you know She's really a complete fighter right now
1: you know, um, I I agree with you. She she you put it uh, in perspective perfectly. You know, her overall boxing skill really was showcased last night. And no disrespect to to Shelly uh, Vincent. You know, she uh, now with Heather with the comment you just made, H- Heather is more of a boxer. She she fights smart, and she'll never be able to develop the the power that. Too bad she didn't have. But what surprises me is Shelly Vincent. Because Shelly Vincent's body and her build and and her style really screams knockout power. And I don't know if she just doesn't have it or if she's not delivering her punches correctly to utilize it. I I can't quite put my finger on it because the way she delivers her punches do seem like they should have some pop behind them. Whether she's not following through all the way, I, I don't know. But she's someone that, um, you know, earlier in her career, I mean, she's 39 now or 37 or something. um, You know, earlier in her career, I wish she would have hooked up with someone that uh, could have helped her, uh, 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 you know, uncover that hidden power because it looks like she should have it, Dax.
0: Yes. um, You know what it is? She doesn't, um, I guess, you know, if you watch her, she she doesn't really plant her feet. She kind of smothers her punches. You know, she's not tall at all. I believe she's only about five foot one, and her arm reach isn't exactly the longest either—not even for her height. So uh, you know, uh, Shelley developed this bad habit of why she draws a lot of punches. Value punches is what has helped her win most of her fights. There's there's no uh, no steam, no power behind them because she doesn't plant her feet, and because she doesn't really uh, double jab, uh work herself in there with that double jab. You know, more or less, if you were going to say uh, her type of body, her type build, you know, for her. To be able to successful would be kind of how you would do with any fighter uh, with with that uh, size uh, disadvantage and reach disadvantages. You know, you kind of use that Mike Tyson game plan. And because when you watch Shelly fight, she does have that peekaboo style. She keeps her gloves up high. Uh, you know, she opens up. You know, every now and then she covers and then she she fires back, but she doesn't work her way in there and she doesn't impose herself and use her center of gravity while on the inside. And that's what has always hurt her, in my opinion. That's why she only has one knockout in those 22-23 wins.
1: You know, the other thing uh, that impressed me uh, about Heather Hardy is she did not run out of gas at all. I thought Shelly was getting a little tired. Um, I, I also didn't hear that much constructive instruction by Peter Manfredo in the corner. I, I, you know, he was correct in saying, don't, you know, slow down. Don't take your foot off the gas. Keep punching. Keep punching, especially the last ten seconds. And she was trying to do that. But other than that, I, I think at one point uh, he said to her, "You gotta, you gotta dodge. You gotta." What what, what was his choice of words? Uh, You got to slip those punches or something like that. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, I think she knows that too. But uh, can you give her a little instruction on how to do it? I I don't know. Am I being a little too hard on him? Because I'm going to be real hard on Rosier here in a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, sometimes easier said than done. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, uh, As far as the stamina aspect goes, again, I have to refer over to MMA where Heather has had her Bellator fights. You know, that, that's a whole different type of stamina because you're using more muscles than you're using in boxing, and the rounds are longer, and there is no breaks. There is no feel-outs. There is, there is no uh, laying against the ropes, uh, waiting to counter punch. It's go, go, go from start to finish. So, you know, in my opinion, that has really helped her stamina and has helped her accuracy, and I also believe, you know, it, you know it's helped her realize that, you know, you can't just stand in there and throw punches and just, you know, see who lands the most punches and let the judges decide, you know, uh, in order to gain respect, in order to uh, be able to control this ring and set the tempo. You're going to have to do something to neutralize your opponent. Um, you know, as you speak about, um, you know, uh, Heather, you know, you yourself, Bill, from all those years being involved with Chevelle Halback you know how hard these women work, you know. I get the luxury, or have gotten the luxury sometimes, of spending time with fighters away from their environment, meaning, you know, away from the press, away from fans, and so on. And at the Give a Kid a Dream event held by Gleason's, I had that uh, luxury of spending time with uh, both Heather Hardy, Sonia Lamanakis, Alicia Ashley, Keisha McLeod. And you, um, you get to see these people in a new light. You know, yes, we know they're fighters, we know that they work hard, but, you know, you see them. It, uh, you know the personal life. You know They, they have full time jobs They're not getting the pay That the men are They're, they're selling their own tickets Despite having a promoter And they're, they're remaining humble You know They're working so much harder You have to appreciate that And you have to say to yourself I want these people to do good Because look what they're going through Just to get the same thing Or the same accolades As these guys that are on The undercards That are coming out You know In the first or second fight Have already achieved Yet they're at a world championship level um, You know Especially when they're a single parent I mean you know any parent knows whether or not you're a parent, you're single parent, how hard it is. But to be able to do that and hold the job at the same time and become successful, you have to respect that. And when they do get that little bit of success, they all manage to remain humble. You know, this is the men need to actually take, uh, you know, notes once again from what these ladies are doing. And maybe the sport would, uh, you know, revolve and get back to what it used to be a little bit more instead of, you know, so many attitudes and so many uh, titles and so many uh, guys beating their chest and saying, I'm the best, I'm the best. These waities, ladies are out there showing you are
1: the best. Yeah, there's a lot of frauds in in this sport now, Dax. There's no question about that. Um, jump into the main event here. Uh, Danny Jacobs uh, wins the uh, IBF middleweight uh, belt that was vacated uh, or f- stripped, I should say, from Triple G by the IBF. Um, he fights uh, Sergey Deverinchenko last night, and um, you know Danny Jacobs won the fight. I I I, I have. My hangups with Jacob's performance, and I guess I'm being a little hard on him because my expectations for Danny Jacobs has has riv- risen so high. I, I think he's one of the top middleweights out there, Dax. you know that. and and the thing is, is I was expecting one of those career defining performances last night. We didn't get it. Now I don't know if I if if I'm underestimating Devor and if he possibly prevented, this signature performance by Danny or if Daniel Jacobs is fighting just enough to win, which he did last night. He fought enough to win. I agree with the 115-112 uh, scores. Um, I, I felt he 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 outperformed Everenchenko. He deserved to win. There's no question about it. But I also thought that during that fight, he could have maybe legitimately dropped Everenchenko. I, I that first drop that first knockdown was a knockdown. But it wasn't hurt or anything like that. And I didn't hear that instruction from Andre Rozier. Andre Rozier trains his fighters to fight just enough to win. And I think that's dangerous because you never know who's on the other side of the, the ring. What, what's your thoughts?
0: Danny has definitely evolved as a fighter. Uh, you know, Derevchenko first uh, will address that. The guy may only have 13 fights, but he's a serious fighter, believe me. You know, former Olympian, um, a lot of European... Um, continent uh, medals in, in different tournaments, and I've covered a few of his fights. Um, one, um, actually, in Westchester a few years ago, on a card that was great for such a small venue, it had uh, Ivan Baronchek, uh, uh Vilkertzi, uh, uh all who have either become world champions or who have uh, become world uh, title challengers. And Derevchenko, believe me, this is a guy who, he, he's strong, he comes forward, he has a lot of power, he he has very good technique, the only thing uh, suspect on him, even then, when he only had four or five fights, is his stamina, and if you look at his career, really, all but the uh, the Torino-Johnson fight, have all gone, you know, in uh, eight rounds or less, so, you know, Dermotchenko is dangerous, and, uh, uh, you know, when he comes in there close, he, you know, you just look at the shoulders on him, you can see, this is a guy you're not going to move around too easy, Daniel Jacobs, He's evolved as a fighter. For so long, he had that stigma on, upon him, you know, from that pierog uh, knockout loss. Even after he had uh, knocked out Peter Quillen, um, he went on eight or nine fight KO streak. He had that uh, the uh, regular WBA middleweight title. Um, just as that was starting to leave, he had that flash knockout suffered in his fight against Sergio Mora. So he kind of lost uh, any respect. He was built up then. And, you know, then he fights Triple G. People expected him to get blown out by Triple G. Yeah, he got knocked down, but he got back up and he put on a great performance. I actually think that uh, Daniel Jacobs' fights with Triple G were closer than Canelo's fights with Triple G. And Daniel Jacobs, when you look at his last five or six opponents, I think um, his last six opponents are are combined 152, four, and three. Three of those were current or former world champions. Five were undefeated. Think about that. Think about you know who else in the division and there's very few guys in the sport that are fighting people at that high quality of a level. And Daniel Jacobs, no, he's not going out there knocking guys out, destroying guys like you know um, you'd expect. But he's going out there. He's fighting smart. He's controlling the pace, and that's what's brought him to a new level in my opinion.
1: No, I I, I agree. I agree that he's he's fighting smart, but he's fighting just enough to win. You mentioned Chanko uh, having a stamina issue. Well, in the fight last night, to me, it looked like Danny Jacobs was the guy that was taken several rounds off uh, and and poured it on towards the end of the fight. Um I was a little concerned about that. I I listen, I just think that Andre Rozier, and and I h- keep hating to bring his name up to even give him the press, but it just seems that the guy acts like he's a zen master and he's 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 reducing fighters to, to. I understand the calmness, and, and you got to have a, a sense of calmness in a fight. But I, I think it's he's lulling him to sleep too much. There was one point I forget what round it was. He was he he kind of raised his voice to Daniel Jacobs, and he was saying, "I want you to do this, whatever." And Daniel Jacobs snapped something back. I I, I wanted it, I kept rewinding it to hear to try to hear what he said, and I couldn't make it out. But it shut. It shut Rosier right up. Rozier didn't say another thing, and he just was, you know, uh, came back, and the, and the round started. But uh, you know, it makes me wonder what what control this guy really has. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being hard on Rosier. But Jacobs, I thought should have. I, I thought he was in a position to have one of those signature wins last night, and he had a win.
0: Think, think, think about this put uh, this this is why I think Daniel Jacobs fought the right fight last night Uh, the and I you know I've said it a lot of times that you know he's he's a five-round fighter those first five rounds he's so dangerous he's had one I think one win in the eighth round and then that last fight with Torino Johnson even though Torino Johnson isn't an elite caliber he's a very solid uh, fighter and Revinchenko got that late 12th round knockout these guys Fought for the IBF title And there's that 10 pound hydration rule So both these guys were in phenomenal shape You know, it's not like they they Hydrated a lot overnight Where you're saying to yourself How much did they drain themselves for this And Derimchenko, even though stamina was an issue uh, He didn't come out there full, uh, full board The whole fight he was going to be dangerous the whole fight, the whole night. Danny Jacobs knew that, and again, we're not the guys in the ring, so we don't know exactly how strong Derevanchenko is. But I'm guessing when you were inside, and he realized that he can just kind of push him back like he has other middleweights. Maybe this isn't a guy to take chances with, and he did get clipped with a few good solid shots.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 know he did. I know he did. I, I just, I just thought that, uh, like for an example, you know, Daniel Jacobs. It was a knockdown in the first round uh, uh, over Sever, uh, over uh, but it was it was one of those yes a punch came yes he, he went down yes it was a legitimate knockdown, um, but it 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 made me sick to hear that the commentators were were discrediting Devrinchenko when he hurt Daniel Jacobs, which you know that could have even been an off balance shot as well. But the commentators made it sound like, oh, well, you know, Danny Jacobs really hurt Chanko in the first round, and Devorinchenko just grazed him. And I, I mean, I'm saying to myself, nah, I think they were both pretty equal. They both gained the respect of each other, but that was about it. But uh,
0: I think they were both slightly not hurt, but, you know, uh, again, maybe how you said it, they both got each other's uh, respect, definitely.
1: Yeah, they got their attention. You know, um, uh, the, that, the shot that I thought – if somebody asked me which shot I thought was a better, harder shot – I actually would have said Devrientchenko shot because you know that put Danny on his bicycle and uh, he he kind of changed the way he fought for the rest of the night. So I I think that made more of an impact. Um, but,
0: but again, that just shows the involvement of Danny Jacobs as a fighter. Danny Jacobs two years ago would have stood there, got reckless, tried to go in for the kill, and you know now Danny Jacobs is recognizing, okay, he's really not as hurt. As I think he is, maybe you know I need to sit back a little bit until I know, until I know a little bit better. So again, he's another guy who's evolved as a fighter.
1: Yeah, but Dax, my point about that is I I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. He's he's evolved. He's much smarter in there. He's a better fighter right now than he was five years ago. There is no question about that. Okay, and and this is what I'm telling you. I honestly believe Daniel Jacobs is one of the top three. He's got to be one of the top three uh, middleweights out there. But this style that he, he... Forget the fact that he's developed and, and matured as a fighter. Forget that. We both agree. But the way that he's maturing and the way he's using that maturity is dangerous when you're fighting that upper echelon fighter, especially if you have to go to someone else's backyard. Fighting enough to win isn't enough anymore. you got to go in for the kill. Something that was mentioned uh, that uh, was quoted from Heather Hardy She said by switching uh, sides And going to fight MMA She realized that you have to hurt Your opponent Not just, you know, win And, and that's the way she fights now uh, in, in the squared circle And that's something that I feel Daniel Jacobs now, now I will admit When he feels his opponents hurt He's a great finisher He tries to go in for the kill But then he went back to that Safety first just do enough to win. I think as he progresses, Dax, it's going to haunt him. That's all I'm saying.
0: You know, but it might. On the other hand, I think that the recklessness of going in there, like, for example, how we did with uh, Peter Quillen that is what would hurt him more at that upper level. That's just my opinion, and I think um, the Triple G fight is the fight where we really learned a lot. When he got knocked down, and we seen him get up, and he completed that whole fight, he was very competitive. He changed his style around, so that 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 to me is what shows you know the progressive and the levels and the development of a fighter. But you know, time will only tell on that.
1: I agree. I think that I, I, that fight, he was trying to win that fight for all twelve rounds. And maybe there was a little feel of desperation in that fight because he hit the deck. But, uh, you know, maybe they felt that they were cruising to a, uh, you know, winning every round type of a fight. That's my point about fighting, you know, just enough to win. And then as we hear, you know, uh, Julie Letterman scores the fight 114-113 for Deveranchenko. She must have had a, uh, a, a different view of the fight or, or was scoring for aggressiveness. Uh, but the score of 115-112 uh, or even 114-113 uh, for Danny Jacobs w- was more realistic, in my opinion. Harold Letterman's scorecard was way out of whack. If everybody yeah, I, li- if I, they I, listen to him, they, then they're, they're crying robbery. You know? but, I had it
0: 115-112 for, for Jacobs, right. so my, my score.
1: Right, exactly. Um, the other fight I wanted to mention on that card was the uh, Alberto Machado fight. Um, he destroyed uh, Yondale Evans, but my concern in that fight was the referee. Um, after the second knockdown, um, Evans was done. I, he wasn't responsive. His his eyes, I could see from my couch, were rolled back in his head, and when, when he was told to move over here, move over there, he wasn't. He wasn't moving. He was stumbling, and he lets him continue. There's where I feel... The problem lies with referees. Everybody's so quick to say, oh, the fight was stopped too soon or or whatever. But in this case, the reason why you ask a fighter to do something that's not ordinary, like just raise your gloves and say, I'm okay, the reason why these commissions are making a move to the left, move to the right, is to see how they respond. Do they understand I'm telling them to move over here or over there? Are his feet under him? And none of that was evident to me watching from my couch last night. I thought that this referee put Evans in danger. What was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, um, and and Machado's a big puncher. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not as though Evans was just caught with a solid shot and caught off balance. Machado is a big puncher, which... um, should tell somebody, all right. Not only did he get caught flush, but he got caught flush by a big puncher, and the chances of him just shaking that off really quick are slim and none. So yeah, I think that Evans did take a uh, a few too many punches. You know, Machado is a guy who still needs seasoning before facing, you know, another title holder like Javante uh, Davis or uh, WBC belt holder uh, Miguel Burchell, former champion uh, Francisco Vargas. It was my thought before last night. You know, um, he's gotten so much better even since um, two fights ago when he won the title against uh, Jezreel Corrales. And uh, Machado, I really see Miguel Cotto doing a great job with this kid. Um, You know, you see the influence of Miguel Cotto, you see the aggressiveness of a young Miguel Cotto, and you see the maturity of a a seasoned Miguel Cotto inside of this kid. And, you know, he's only got 21 fights now. In another three or four fights, uh, Alberto Machado, you know, he just very well may be the man that... uh, 129 pounds.
1: Let me tell you, you can you're doing a comparison with uh, Miguel Cotto. Uh, you know that's uh, pretty uh, pretty good. That's, to, it,
0: that, that's his mentor. Yeah, you know, no, Miguel, no, that, that's his but, pro, Miguel, Miguel's pride and joy. But
1: what I'm saying is, I think he's got more talent than than Cotto. What I I mean, natural talent. He's got the physique. He's got a jab. We didn't see it on display last night because the fight ended uh, so quickly. But I think he's got more natural tools than Cotto ever had, so I can see your point about how excited Cotto is to have this guy seeing a bit of himself in there, and then some, which is uh, which is good. Hey, before we let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts.
0: When he fought uh, Jezreel Corrales, just to uh, uh, mention, I'm saying the natural talent. You see, early he had a little bit of problems with uh, Jezreel Corrales' awkward style, and he adapted. So yes, I agree. You know, he does have more natural talent.
1: Um, before we let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on the. Uh, Pulev-Huey uh, Fury fight, which I thought was a significant fight. Um, I, I, I'm appalled at Jarrell Miller and his rise and how he's got there and this, this opportunity he's getting uh, to fight for the WBA regular heavyweight title. And he people are forgetting that he clearly ducked Pulev. He was ordered to fight Pulev and he ducked him and, and it suffered no consequence. And Pulev, uh, and I'm not saying he's a a world beater because he's not. But what interested me and what impressed me in this particular fight, and again, Huey Fury in my opinion, was was a bit overrated too. But the fact is the fact. They were both ranked top ten contenders in multiple sanctioning bodies and they fought each other. This is what I wanna see out of this sport of boxing, Dax. And it what bothers me is when certain fighters, like Pulov, are forced to constantly fight other contenders in, in, quote, elimination fights because he's fought in several of them, uh, and still you get these other fighters uh, that don't are not required to, uh, to fight anybody of substance. What's your thoughts on the fight and that
0: comment? It was, um, I don't know, age, experience. You know, Huey, you know, more or less taken to school by Pulev. Um, You know, Huey Fury is young. He hasn't quite really developed his man build. By that, I mean, you know, yes, he's big, he's tall, we know that, he has a long reach, but he hasn't fully, you know, developed, you know, physically, you know, his body hasn't reached that maximum bone structure. You know, Pulev, you know, cut him early. Pulev, you know, he controlled the whole fight. But credit to Huey Fury, once he got that cut, he came out there, you know, looking, you know, to try and turn that around. He didn't want to take chances of the ref stopping that. But, you know, as far as that comment on uh, Jarrell Miller, so is boxing. You know, right now that, that seems to be the, uh, the the direction that the sport's headed in. That seems to be the way that fights are sold. It seems to be the way that a lot of guys who don't deserve title shots get them. And in my opinion, by giving them, Bill, even a mention, by giving it attention, all you're doing is you're feeding into that. You're feeding into exactly what you're you're going against.
1: Yeah, well,
0: you're you doing that. You're promoting what you're hating that
1: they are doing. I I got you, but it's so appalling, Dax. It's not. He's not a legitimate fighter. He's not a legitimate fighter. I'm sorry. And and the politics of this sport and the under the money under the table money that's given. Uh, to uh to the powers that be to give people uh, opportunities is what the problem is yeah, we've always dealt with that you know we've al- always dealt with corruption in boxing I know but the tr- but the problem is it's even worse now it's even worse uh, all you got to do is mention, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather rematch. Oh, by the way, once you beat Adrian Broner, then you get to fight me. What the, who, who is Floyd Mayweather? Floyd Mayweather doesn't have any juice anymore. And the other thing is, is I don't think Pacquiao's even going to beat Broner. So, I, you know, we're never going to see it. It's, it's all a big shim-sham scam, Dad. Let,
0: let me ask you a question, Bill. Seriously. Honestly. Why even mention it? Why mention Floyd? Why mention Manny? At any point in time, you know, we, that, that little time right there, Bill, as crazy as the sport makes you, me, and everybody else, we should have been talking about the World Boxing Super Series last night and other things like that that are actually, as they continue to grow, like the World Boxing Super Series and other types of events like that, come on, that's actually going to weed things out because I you have so. no choice but the best fighting the best. You have no choice but the best Fighting the best. But look, and anybody who doesn't join in there, guess what? They've shown their colors. Exactly.
1: The exactly. That's the key, what you just said. The guys that don't show. And by the way, um, you know, Regis Progress, who who uh, won and, and is uh, moving on, uh, this kid, he's a guy that has was coddled a little bit, and then his last, I don't know, half a dozen fights have all been progressively better and better, and that's why this kid is real, uh, beating a, a real fighter in Terry Flanagan, so uh, that was an impressive fight for sure. Any thoughts on that one?
0: Yeah, uh, you, you said it perfectly. Regis Progre has really developed as a fighter. He, he uh, came out there um you know, even three, four fights ago, you know, it was all about power. Now Prograde, you know, he breaks his, his opponents down slowly. And, you know, he, he does the work. He gets it done. Um, you know, and, yes, Terry Flanagan is is a real fighter. Um, I actually picked uh, Prograde to win by stoppage, so... That you know enforces how good uh, Flanagan is. Uh, same thing for Baranchek and Yigit. I had actually thought that Yigit was going to outbox Baranchek because Baranchek had trouble with boxes. But you know Baronchek went out there um, once he got the eye of uh, Yigit hurt. You know he, he dissected it and uh, you know he forced the corner into a stoppage. You know this, this this shows the levels. You know by time this is over, just much like um, in the first one with the uh, cruiserweight division, the only titles that the winner is not going to hold is the WBO title, which is held by Hubboy- held by Maurice Hooker, and the WBC title, which is held by uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez. And the winner of this, which in my opinion is going to be either Terry Flanagan or it's going to be Josh Taylor, both of those guys, one has the interim uh, title holder, the other one has uh, the silver title, so they're going to fight Ramirez because that makes them the number one guy. And Jose Carlos Ramirez, this is a guy whose last three opponents, I spoke about Daniel Jacobs' uh, last six, his last three opponents are 71 and one. And the well, only guy with that loss was Amir Imam. So what does that tell you exactly how deep this division is?
1: No, but too bad Flanagan's not going to win it. He's out now.
0: <laughs> but he, he's out, but you know what? He was in there and Terry Flanagan. You know, he, he's still in, the, in that mix. He's still in the top. Same thing with Anthony Gigi. And these are the guys, Bill, like you were saying before, how the sport's driving just crazy. The fact they're in there, they're going after it, shows they're hungry. The guys who lost in uh, – season one of the cruiserweights. They're going back in. They joined up. They're hungry. They want to keep showing. You know what? That loss didn't send me away. And as these grow and develop, this is how boxing is going to rebuild itself into its former glory, in my opinion.
1: I hope I hope you're right, brother. I hope you're right. Dax, we'll talk to you next week, man. All right,
0: everybody. Enjoy the day.
1: That's uh, Dax Khan. You could check him out uh, up on Billy C. Boxing uh, as well. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll see if the technically challenged Sal Rocky Senecola can actually get his camera to work. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right
0: back. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
1: Around, Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right?
0: Wait, what? What? No way. I,
2: I, I
1: can't can do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it. Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs>
2: Crap.
0: The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C.
1: Now back to
0: Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, guess what, boys and girls, and childrens of all ages,
2: Sal's back with us
1: too. That's right. You did it, <laughs> Sal. I'm so proud of you. I, I, there's, a, I there's a tear welting up in my eye.
2: Mine too. <laughs> we uh, we uh, we have ignition.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. But uh, all right. So, um, yes, sir. Let's uh, let's talk a little about some news that has taken place. News? Um, yeah, I got some. I got some emails. We're gonna read and discuss. But first and foremost, uh, uh, over the last, we missed last show, uh, last week's show. I, uh, we actually lost power again. I, I live in a place that. Uh, You know, you lose power and it screws everything up for us. And uh, it's it seems to be getting worse and worse, even though they cut every tree that's around every wire. I don't get it. But uh, in any event, (laughs) um, over the last uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about last week was some of the news that uh, had come out. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, we had uh, talked that uh, earlier uh, in the month that uh, Floyd Mayweather announced that he would be fighting Manny Pacquiao in December. A lot of us don't give a rat's you-know-what. Uh, but uh, but the truth of the matter is is uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao took a step towards that by signing with Al Heyman. I thought that this would pave the way for Floyd to fight Manny because, after all, neither one of them are really uh, part of the boxing scene today. I mean, Manny is technically active. Uh, Floyd is uh, technically retired. But no one really gives a rat's you-know-what about both of these guys. And um, so Manny signs with Al Heyman, Sal. And then they immediately announced that Pacquiao will be fighting Adrian Broner in December. Floyd's going to fight the newspaper delivery boy that uh, delivers him papers in Vegas. And, uh, you know, then should they both win, uh, they will fight uh, early in 2019. My question is, first of all, the majority of the true boxing fans don't even want to see either one of these fight in a ring anymore. And to add to my disgust of this is the fact that why should Manny Pacquiao have to prove himself a la fighting Adrian Broner um, before he gets a shot at Mayweather? It's been Pacquiao who's won his last fight, not Floyd. Floyd's been out of the ring. right? Adrian Broner has his beef with Floyd, not Pacquiao, so why doesn't Floyd man up and just fight Broner? Why are we even talking about these guys? What's your thoughts about it all?
2: Well, I like what you said about Dak saying, I mean, it's true. Why are we even talking about it? I mean, what's the significance? Uh, We want to talk about fights and what their significance will be. And, uh, you know, the Mayweather and Pacquiao fight had significance uh, 10 years ago. And, uh, you know we saw the fight five years ago and um it didn't go the way that you and i had expected it to but hey uh, you know my quote right after that fight is i would not pay for a rematch and uh i you know this is this is uh going to be more of a human interest story of a fight uh, and like i said cause it has no real significance neither neither fighter is going to vie for for, uh, top berth in the weight division uh, there's too many young guns out there and too many real fighters that want to prove themselves and and this is going to be just a human interest let's see what would have happened or what's going to go on and you know and I, I don't really think it's going to do that well and again Floyd and, and Manny if, if they really wanted to fight they'd cut through the chase get it in the ring and now to come back and do it because I don't know why they have to go through a test of Well, let's see you get past there and there. And guess what? I have my doubts that man is going to get past Adrian Broner.
1: My man, uh, Jason, just corrected me. The fight is uh, in January. For some reason, I thought it was supposed to be December. Uh, okay. December 1st was what I had heard originally but I guess they moved it back to this, to January but the truth of the matter is, is I don't think Manny Pacquiao is going to even beat Broner. People That's Broner Bro, Broner Brono's not a likable guy but he's better than Manny Pacquiao is. The, today's Manny Pacquiao. If this was a uh an earlier version of Manny and I don't I don't even want to see Floyd his face anywhere except on a milk carton. And you and you have to be old enough to know what that means. But um, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, uh, it's sad that we're getting that. But uh, let me read. Let's get some emails to comment on. Uh, we got this first one from a man Jesse, and this goes back to uh, um, he's, he's discussing uh, uh, Crawford, uh, Terence Crawford's fight against uh, Jose. Uh, his, his title is Jose versus crawford he says i'm i'm disappointed in jose's performance after the fifth round he was just standing there tall and taking combinations where was his head movement he was throwing awfully wide punches nothing to the body non-committal uh, to punches hesitant and wasn't attacking crawford crawford was patient not taking any risks but was the attacker like usual maybe of jose's uh, reach and countering um jose uh uh junior there his his he didn't have a ch- I, I, I was impressed that he stood in there and finished the fight um you know the way he did or at least until he was finished I should say Crawford's a better fighter I, I didn't think that uh that Jose was going to beat him at all I mean I was impressed with the size difference and in the beginning of the fight he did seem like you know he would uh wear be able to wear Terrence Crawford down Uh, but he never, he never really, he never really changed. I mean, he tired himself out and then Crawford does what Crawford does. I mean, uh, uh, this was a guy that, that, uh, made a statement stopping him in the final round. I mean, uh, uh, it was a great fight. I, I I didn't really give, um, uh, Jose a a shot at winning this fight, Sal.
2: No, nor did I. And, you know, it was a, a a good fight. I mean, it was uh, you know had its moments, but uh, Crawford did exactly what I thought he would do, and uh, he's a real deal, and no way getting past that. The guy's going to give us some great fights in the future, and uh, I look forward to seeing him again and again.
1: Um, some other uh, uh, well, let me let me finish reading the email. He says, uh, "What's your hey Billy? What's your thoughts on Carlos Adame?s is, is he a big risk for the top guys in the welterweight division? He's big and he's improving. Uh, he might be a fifty four pounder. Um, you know, just you know, when I listen to to the questions sometimes in the comments, it, it it puts it in perspective of of how sad things are." Carlos Adamas is a good fighter, and anybody, any top fighter in the division, the welterweight division, or if he does move up to 154, should want to fight this guy. The mentality of this sport has reversed. It's like years ago, the fighters seeked out the toughest opponents to prove that they were better. Today, they don't do that. They take the easy opponents— to make to take that least amount of risk for the maximum amount of reward now from a business standpoint i can't say i blame them but from a boxing purist standpoint it's what's ruined boxing what's ruined boxing i've been saying it in the chat room all morning what's ruined boxing in my opinion was floyd mayweather jr and al Heyman. they ruined it to the degree of it is where it is today uh boxing has been slowly killing itself for years but you know what I'm saying, Sal. I mean, these guys shouldn't be wondering, well, should I we fight this guy? Well, maybe not. He's too tough. I mean, what's your thoughts?
2: Well, of course. You know, we, we look at the whole slippery slope that uh, the, the, the moves at boxing or the direction that boxing has been taking. And like I said, in my mind, it started slipping back with the uh, day before weigh-in. You know, they they lowered a benchmark. They do things differently. And uh, maybe they do it for one reason, but out comes another that uh, it serves. And, um, you know, the the whole thing, the safety first, the, the, the boxing gloves this, uh, being larger. And, uh, you know, it's not the game that you and I uh, heard our fathers talk about or our, our uncles about the glory days and about the radio days and about the boxing on TV and the Don Dumpy Thursday night fights, Friday night fights. and You know, those are long, long gone. And we're supposed to see boxing today as it has evolved, but to me, it's kind of done the reverse, and uh, it's 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 a shame. But it'll be here; it'll always be here, and that's why I love the sport and the facets and the things that may change here and there. Um, they'll, they'll be benign in the long run, but they do affect the the trickle and the drips on the uh, the forehead, if you will. Yeah, yeah, but Sal, the the problem is.
1: Once you have fighters that are being coddled or or being promoted, if you will, for not performing um, and and they become champions and then they cherry pick their their opponents, it may that's not boxing that that's that. and, And I can't see it. And I agree with what Dak said. Dak said that the World Boxing Super Series, stuff like that, could bring boxing back to its glory. Yeah, I agree because of the theory behind it. The theory is you you don't know who you're going to fight. You're all going in there, and it's a a single elimination tournament, and and the best fighter of that crop of, of participants will rise to the top. And that's not what's happening now. You can't have a fighter that is a so-called champion and then not want to fight somebody uh, because he might be too tough or you can't have a fighter that hasn't proven himself inside the ring um, and then uh, get a world title shot even your boy even your boy your idol Deontay the Fraud Wilder goes around beating up. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 you you know what I'm talking about. He punches that okay, so that about that to, uh, to that, that. About
2: When he punched out the, uh, the uh, mascot.
1: The, uh, he, yeah, he beats up a mascot, and and you know the whole charade was so WWE like. You know they're egging him on to punch him. And, uh, you know, he, he, he they claimed he broke his nose. Then they're saying he didn't break his nose. And and I don't even know if he knew what they were saying. They were speaking Spanish. He was speaking, uh, you you know, English. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know, man. But uh, anyway, that was such a joke. But uh, uh, anyway, one last thought from Jesse. He says, uh, hey, Billy, what's your thoughts on Bivel versus Pascal? Uh, he says Pascal is done; and only swings for defenses. It's a bad matchup for Bivol, but he's not uh, improving uh, with Pascal. You know, I, this is another great example. Thanks for the email, Jose. Uh, um, I mean, uh, Jesse. <laughs> I'm looking at his subject. Um, you know, I, this this is exactly what I'm talking about. Jean Pascal was never really uh, a, a a boxer. Uh, he was he was swinging for defenses this whole time. Um, so here's a guy that I thought was a bit overrated, but he was a champion and, and so on and so forth. Now, Dmitry Bivol is a quality fighter. A lot of people think he might be the best light heavyweight out there, and here's a guy that was on a fast climb to the top, wins a title, and wanted to fight um, uh, uh, Sergey Kovalev, and then Kovalev loses, and then uh, uh, the fight's not... Happening and he picks Jean Pascal and makes it worse. The the dead put a fork in me, HBO Sports. Dead is going to broadcast this fight. You know, so I, I mean, I would think that HBO would want to go out with a bang, go out with a good fight. Instead, they go Dimitri Bivel against Jean Pascal. That fight's not going to be a good fight. Bivel's going to knock him out. And, uh, you know, uh, Jean Pascal has already retired. This is my point, Sal. These are the kinds of fights that these promoters put together, and the fans, the, the the young crop of fans today, are buying it. They're buying into it. If they weren't, they would they wouldn't be putting on these fights. They, you know what the young fans today have to educate themselves about this sport. Go back, go on YouTube, spend a day, watch some old fights, and I say old. Look at fights prior to 1980 or even some early 80s fights, but prior to 1980, and you'll see real fights. You'll see guys and understand who the guys are that are fighting each other and why the significance of that fight was happening. Today, all you have is WWE. Boxing has become WWE, Sal.
2: Yes, and, and to a degree, you're, you are right on the money. And, and like I said, it, uh, it'll have its ebb and flow and we will have uh, uh, the young fans that uh, uh, will help sustain uh, the interest and we'll have the older fans that will have the interest but wait for the games to change the way it used to be. It'll never be the way it used to be. And so we come to terms and we say, hey, it's still the sport we love. We just got to hold on and, you know, make the best of what we uh, remember. And uh, see what they can do to make these fights happen. I mean, that that's just it. The the promoters and the the, the managers and the fighters themselves—they protect their own. They do this, they do that, and it's it, it's politics today. It's it's everything. Who's gonna take a sidestep? Who's gonna take a payday to to not uh, have a fight? And who's gonna step up? And who's gonna evolve? And who's gonna, gonna be uh, in a title fight, but just be an opponent? Who's gonna have this? It's it's this the whole promotion you're a commodity well you 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 just said you just
1: said something that that was never used to be said no in a way no what i mean is in a way who's going to be the opponent okay there was always an opponent but what evolved in the last decade is the definition of on the a side Now the A-side, the A-side fighter, all of a sudden that is the guy that gets to negotiate. I want to be, I want to, I'm the A-side. I get to come out last. I get to be announced last. I have my team carrying all my 97 belts that I've accumulated in three fights and he can have his 96 belts uh, second, you know. Um, But the truth of the matter is, is that, You know, in boxing, what has to happen is you got to have the fighter earn his spot because it's discouraging for young kids that are in the that are in the sport now. And they see no matter how hard they work, unless they sign their life away with some greedy uh, promoter or manager, they're not going to get the opportunity. And that's the way it, it works. Now, that's the way it always worked. But it's a different level now. Fighters don't have to fight and fight real fights to get opportunities anymore. Fighters just need to fight somebody. And that's the sad part. And the fan base today, at least a majority of them, don't recognize it. They don't don't complain like we are. And my complaint isn't that we don't have a lot of boxing available to us, because we certainly do. My complaint is we don't have any real fights available to us. Consider this, somebody signs with PBC, and then they don't fight anyone. You know, I, somebody what what's happened, Sal, is the success of the UFC. When Dana White set up the UFC, he set up a league. It was something that if boxing would have done that 50 years ago, we wouldn't be having the issues we have today. He set up a league. Then all the powers that be in boxing saw how successful it was, how profitable it was, how much more control they had over the fighters in terms of who fights who and when they fight and what the purse structure is, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what a league does. That's what football and, and uh, you know, American football and, and major league baseball and, and the NBA and the hockey, they're leagues and in order to be a league you got to be on a team in order to have a team you got to follow certain rules and the leagues have a a union the players unions and they get certain amount of, of rights and and the teams can't do this and can't do that it's structured and and the ufc is very similar boxing is not so what do you see you say and behind closed doors everybody says oh you know the ufc model that's really good it would be great if boxing could be a ufc of course it would be great But how are you going to do it? You'd have to nicely ask the the sanctioning bodies to just walk away and let you form a league. They laugh at you. So what do they do? They start parading around like they're the only legitimate sanctioning body. The WBC thinks they're the only one. The WBA thinks they're the only one. IBF and WBO, respectively, the same thing. So when you become a fighter, when you become ranked in one of their rankings, then you are, in a sense, signing on with them. So then what do they do? They control your title. They control who you fight, et cetera, et cetera. When and if you get an offer for more money, that's when you jump ship and go to another sanctioning body. Then the same thing starts again. Oh, wait, there's more. Because now what has happened is we've added to that, the, the and this is all, everyone trying to be UFC. What we've added to that is the promoter aligning themselves with a network to, to, to show you the fights. So now, it's, it's become where if you used to choose a fighter, this guy's my favorite fighter, or that one's my favorite fighter, and you would follow that fighter through thick and thin. Then you say, well, okay, this sanctioning body is my sanctioning body. I'm going to follow all the fighters in this sanctioning body because they're the better fighters. Now with the way it's unfolding, you're going to have to say, well, this promoter is my favorite promoter because he has some of my favorite fighters, so I'm going to have to subscribe to this service to get all of his fight. I mean, it, it's going level upon level upon level, and what we are ending up having, Sal, realistically, is we have a whole crap load full of... I almost slipped, radio stations. I almost slipped. Um, I, you know, I, I, I we, we have a whole crap load of different mini boxing uh, um, um groups or or leagues if you will to a degree uh, you know we don't have one unit what we need is unified in boxing not not separation and that's what we have. We have people that are going in different directions fighters fans have to subscribe to a specific network to watch their favorite fighters or they have to align themselves with a specific promoter so that they
2: can see it it's 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 a mess. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, it it's it's never gonna revert back. It's never gonna it, it's only it can only evolve and hopefully have some uh uh glimpse of what it used to be. And you know, you're talking about tournaments, you're talking about the, the top, you're talking about and yeah, I mean, why not? I've often said, Why can't boxing become a league? Well, because there's too much money with promoters, managers, the whole thing, the whole dice up and everything else. And it They can, though. It, it, can. They, it even... they, but they can. But they don't want to lose control, Bill. That's the big thing. They don't want to lose control. And here's the thing. I think, why not? Look at every state, the 50 states, the United States. Why can't there be, in, in every weight class, one state champion, and they go through a tournament that's going to last every uh, year? Every two months they gotta fight and eliminate. you have a national champion in each country, and then the national champions fight each other, and then you have one world champion
1: well that and- that only happens outside the u s the u s fighters don't want to do it and and wait, let me just say this: you're right, we could have a league, and you're right uh, that, that The whole thing is is that it's about money and I came up with a system that we could continue to use the four major sanctioning bodies and develop a league that would work in boxing without asking these these you know uh uh sanctioning bodies to let go of their cash cows which are which are the fighters themselves and they can keep their claws in the mix and be just as greedy and and deceitful and and you know uh, uh villainous as they are um and we could still have a league but that then there's another problem that will pop up and that problem will be in order to have a successful league, you got to have the fighters. And the fighters have to sign on to be part of that league. And the fighters would have to uh, form some kind of fighters union or whatever they would have to do. And they would have to be loyal to the league. That's where boxing ha- has become over time, over the last 300 years, where you can't do that. What will happen is you'll have a fighter fighting in a league, there'll be a rival. A uh, group of 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 fights or league or or uh, you know opportunities whatever you want to define it as and then all of a sudden the money will be there so Sal is part of the league I'm not and I I challenge Sal to a fight and Sal says no I'm sorry I'm part of a I'm part of this boxing league and we say yeah but your next fight at the boxing league you're gonna make a hundred thousand you come and fight me you're gonna make five million and Frank said and uh, then Sal says. Uh, what boxing league? Uh, no, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you, and that's where the problem lies. It's about money. This is called prize fighting, Sal. I'm not going to blame a fighter for making money, but there's so many things we laugh about it, but that's the god's honest truth of how it is.
2: Well, it is, and and you just reminded me of one of my old mantras. I said it is called prize fighting, and they should fight for declared under- first. I mean, meaning like. It shouldn't be negotiated before. Well, this guy's going to get this, this guy's going to get that. Let's have a pot of money and let the winner get 60%, let the loser get 40%. And uh, this way, they, they'll both have to fight for it. And uh, I, I don't see that being uh, that. Uh, you know, you want to fight for a million dollars? Hey, someone's going to get 600,000. I'm using a million because it's easy. You go fight for 10 million. You got to do what you got to do. But I'm just saying that would be prize fighting. The, the winner gets the bigger prize. And uh, those those little steps would keep the interest and keep boxing uh, in the forefront. And, you know, but those are things that are unrealistic to happen. And, and, and uh, we're just past the point of no return. And like I said, we got to hold on, win, lose, or draw, how we like it. And it's going to just do it with this, the, the, the sanctioning bodies and with the evolution or, or opposite of that is going to allow. It's just going to be The same rhetoric, the same voices, the same thing. And we're never going to see what we would hope to see from the game again.
1: Ever. You're right. Got a couple more emails we'll read. This one's from my man, uh, James. He says, hey, Billy, first uh, let me say that I'm kicking myself for not emailing you six weeks ago. I almost dropped you a line asking if HBO was leaving the fight game. Then I convinced (laughs) myself that I was reading too much into the crappy pay-per-views and the sporadic broadcast schedule they had. Uh, the writing was on the wall, uh, he says. As for uh, Quigley against Hernandez, it was not a blowout. I'm not saying Hernandez won the fight, but he totally, he looked really good in the, in a lot of the middle rounds. It was a one or two round difference at most. Uh, finally, he says, I have uh, I have to pick Broner over Pacquiao in their upcoming fight. Pacquiao is an all time great, but at this point, he's past his prime. It's like 2000 Mike a 2005 version of Mike Tyson rather than a 1991 version of Mike Tyson. What do you think? Does Pacquiao have one more good fight in him? Um. Uh, I think the only fight for Manny Pacquiao would have been a rematch with Floyd. That's the only fight. I don't see him beating Broner. I'm with you, James. Um, I, You know, Broner is an idiot. He's a total idiot. He's one of the most unlikable uh characters in the sport of boxing today Uh, but he's got a good chin he's got some hand speed he's got a decent defense he's going to give Manny Pacquiao trouble Manny Pacquiao is going to try to go in and uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, to beat Broner he needs to stop Broner Um, Broner does have a tendency to to stop throwing punches but Manny's reflexes and his movement isn't quite as it used to be, and he's going to be in a position to uh, uh, get caught. I-, I don't like to fight for Manny Pacquiao, but uh, uh, in any event. I got another one here. I got, uh, let's see, how many more do I have? Uh, I got two more. I got two more. Let's, uh, let's get this one out of the way. Uh, this is from my man, uh, Matt. Matt out of Buffalo. I got to get fishing with my man, Matt, at one point. But uh, he says, hey, Billy, C, how is it possible that the PBC finally gets a rights deal and immediately makes everything all crap? He says, I can't believe the dumpster fire to create Broner against Pacquiao as a pay-per-view and the bogus Spence versus Garcia. See, I think that's a good fight, Spence and Garcia. He says, this stable has in-house fights up the wazoo and they aren't even on the horizon. At least Bob Arum generates a plan now, and uh, he has activity with his fighters. I simply don't understand the PBC having been granted $120, 120 million to immediately make pay-per-views and not generate a sustainable business. The first card is two Charlo squash matches. No indication of Cruz versus Russell Jr., Spence versus Porter, Heard versus Charlo. Worse, on social media, Espinosa appears to have slunk Uh, To we will give you uh, We'll give it to you when we give it to you Horrendous You hit the nail on the head with this piece of crap Um, The problem with the PBC Is that the PBC has targeted a young audience And they have brainwashed them So this new young audience And I say new and young Meaning new and young to the sport of boxing Believes what they see and they believe the rhetoric that comes out of the mouth of these fighters. Charlo, the Charlo brothers are a great example. The Charlo brothers are basically big mouths that have never fought any quality fighters uh, that are in their prime. Okay? Yes, they have fought some quality fighters when they were, you know, shouldn't be fighting. Uh, you know, remember, the Charlo brothers had that uh, incident with Daniel Jacobs in, in, below Madison Square Garden last year. And they were calling him out. I haven't heard them mention Danny Jacobs' name since. You know, I mean, it's a shame that Al Heyman has done to this sport what he did. And $120 million, who would give Al Heyman a nickel after what he did with $500 million? He pissed $500 million away, okay? All those investors couldn't do anything about it. He pissed it away. He signed all the fighters. Half of those fighters haven't fought since. All the other fighters that got uh, outrageous purses can't find a fight now. And the sport has sunk into what we see today. No, I blame what we see today on the PBC slash Al Heyman and Floyd Mayweather. And the reason why I blanket Floyd Mayweather in is because he's a liar. He has promised us time and time again that he's going to give us a good quality fight and he's never done it. This is a guy that has cherry-picked his opponents and says he's the best ever, and he's got a buku amount of fans that agree with him. He's worse than Sal Rocky Senecola about Deontay Wilder. Really? What do you hey. think, Sal? Is he up there with yeah. you or what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Hey, I got a good one here from our man Mitch, man. All right. Mitch, Mitch has this email. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch has this email. He says, basically, his subject says a few questions and observations. So I think we're in trouble here. So get ready. Right. He says, he says, hey, guys, uh, I'm watching HBO. Politically correct boxing keeps trying to force women's boxing down our throats. Um Oh checked it now, you see, I love heather Hardy I, i'm I'm like uh, if I was any younger, I'd be knocking on her door. but uh um, you know, I, I like her because she's good looking no, but because she's good in the ring people. that's why. um I kind of enjoyed that fight, even though I've been uh negative on women's boxing of late, uh, but he says, uh number one, he's got him numbered for us, Sal. number one, okay. they keep talking about how many more punches they throw in two minutes compared to men who fight three minutes store uh trying to force feed still trying to f- force feed us and then use comparisons that are basically comparing apples and bananas i can't agree with mitch Moore. i was saying the same thing earlier sal come on how do you say well they only fight two minute rounds so since they're fighting two minute rounds uh they throw twice as many punches as a guy who fights three minute rounds i say it's easy to figure it out just see how many punches a guy throws in two minutes and and to, uh, let's be fair Let's remove the feeling out minute that the female fighters don't do. So let's just count the punches that a male fighter has from the last two minutes of the round, from minute two and minute three, and see where the numbers lie. What do you think?
2: I think that's a a fair comparison and analogy. I I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I think it would be a good assessment to see Um, but. You know it, it again what's the significance of it i mean female fighting is female fighting and male fighting is male fighting and you know I, I i i don't think we'll ever see a male fighting a female and that as we should not have to ever do that but what i what i do see and what i do respect is are the female fighters that do step in a ring and for their titles and for their vying for the top spot and doing what they do and showing us that they can handle themselves and and fight and be excellent boxers and fighters and competitors. And, uh, you know, the male's the same thing. And that's just it. It's where boxing has grown, evolved, however you want to say, you know, but, uh, you know, again, why are we even comparing the two genders? We shouldn't have to, each should be respected for each what, what it's about.
1: You know, when I was a kid, you could say, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. Not so much today, Sal, because boys sometimes become girls and girls become guys. I mean, it's a mixed up crazy world we live in right now. But what makes it even worse is there was a guy in in, uh, MMA who became a woman and was allowed to compete against the women. And this particular fighter looked basically like a weightlifting man with long hair and he was fighting women... And beating the crap out of them, and I don't think that's fair. You know, I mean, they they may have they may have had some work done to the plumbing, uh, but their body is still a man's body. I mean, it is what it is. You know, so um, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, to compare them, uh, it's it is what it is. But uh, all I know is the world she's a changing. Uh, you know, uh, boys were boys when I was a kid, and girls were girls, and well. It ain't that way now. But uh, in any event, he said, Did you see, Steve, what you talking about, Willis, accidentally on purpose blow the foul call in the first round of the Andre fight? This is the same Willis who missed a similar call in Triple G against Lemieux and Chocolito against Rung Ruzal the first fight, he says, which cost Roman the fight. All clear fouls that deserve disqualifications, especially in the case of Andre a warning or a point deduction in the case of Triple G, and a non-call knockdown in the case of uh, Gonzalez. Uh, But guys like you and Sal rate this guy number one on your pound-for-pound referee list because you like the googly-eyed faces he makes. Come on, Billy C, call this guy out. Andre couldn't be suspended uh, or, at best, deducted a couple of points. Um, I can't stand Steve Willis. I think that he is making a mockery of refereeing. I don't even think he's a good referee, as my man Mitch points out here, that he misses calls because he's too busy trying to get on camera. I think commissions like New York State Athletic Commission make themselves look extremely foolish when they continue to give this guy the work when they have way more competent referees out there, um, like Ron Lipton. You know, I'm not just saying that because I know Ron. Uh, Charlie uh, Fitch is a great referee. He he did the Danny... Um, Daniel uh, Jacobs fight last night, and uh, my man um, Harvey Doc is also great. He did the uh, uh, Heather Hardy fight, so uh, uh, I'm with you there on Mitch. You have any thoughts on that, Sal?
2: Yeah, the referees I loved back and when I fought. Yeah, where's Larry Hazard and Frankie Cappuccino?
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, you know what the big difference was you know now everybody's so afraid to get hurt you know you're not allowed to tackle quarterbacks in football anymore you can't hit but you can't punch people in boxing anymore you can't really you know uh, check somebody in hockey anymore i mean you know why don't we just live in a bubble world you know nobody forces anybody to become a professional athlete but all of all of all of the, the left wingers and and everybody that wants to try to be politically correct all the time They're ruining our lives as we know it. We've become a sissy country. Uh, It's evident when you look in this sport and you see all of the fighters from other countries that are willing to fight whoever they put in front of them, and uh, we get big, fat baby Miller uh, eating at every single uh, food uh, establishment he could find, and he's getting a shot at a title. It just doesn't make sense. Um, He says uh, he's got a third, number three. Number uh, three. uh, He says, uh, speaking of Demetrius, you used to mention how uh, outfits like uh, Banner and Star Boxing moves a talented guy in a certain way and workers wreck it up to like 20-0, and 0, but they don't have the capital win a purse bid for that big fight. But they uh, look to cash in when the big fight comes by getting a big split of the payday. For example, I think Banner and Star used to get 40% of Andre's purses uh, while he got the remaining 60 or vice versa. It was vice versa, my man, Mitch, because that was why uh i thought how could that be legal uh they each got 30 percent. they wanted 33 percent each uh which would have been come on 66 percent but they ended up getting 30 percent each and uh and and uh demetrius only got 40 percent of his purses and that's before he had to pay all his other expenses uh he says uh uh, let me ask you this. A year ago, he renews his contract. Why do you think he did that, knowing how much of a split they took? That was mind-boggling to me. When that announcement came that he re-signed with them, I said to myself, what the heck is he doing? I, I thought that was a stupid move. I can't understand why. The only thing I can think of is that uh, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. That that's someone, he doesn't have enough people around him that cared about him that tell him, don't do it, Demetrius. What's your thoughts, Sal?
2: I don't know. It's uh, you know, there there could be uh, things that we are not aware of. Of what would influence or what would make him decide to wait, wait, wait. Him. Let
1: me let me ask you this. Go you, for it. By resigning with them, you're signing sixty percent of your purse. Now I no. ask you again: Would you yeah. have done this?
2: Well, I learned a long time ago, Bill that 60% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Uh, but if he would have changed promoters,
1: he would have had to only give up 33% or 30%. True. This and actually, true. actually,
2: actually, that's management. Promoters shouldn't be taking that much. No, well, no. And, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, the, the standard contract was, you know, yeah, you, you don't know what the promoter is getting from you or for you in a sense other than... The rights to promote and rights to raise the revenue to to uh to uh split and give you and yeah, a standard contract was always ten percent off the top to the trainer thirty three and the third to the manager and you're left holding a bag
1: in taxes and expenses. <laughs> right, <laughs> and some and somehow to pro- and somehow to somehow to promoters. Let me, let me tell you. Somehow to promoters will will all, all the money that they may have used to help promote a fighter, they end up charging the fighter for that. So they get they get that deducted out of their purse. And oh by the way, uh, they use it as a write off on their taxes. So they end up getting to keep most of their money too. It's such a it's such a joke, but. Uh, that is what it is. That's been going on forever. And He's, that's
2: the same thing with Heyman and, and the investors. Don't you think all those investors that gave him $500 million, it was a deduction or a write-off for them. Heyman made a living, and uh, everybody else made a good fat cat living for a little while, and and, and, and they won. But it's Except gone.
1: you know who lost on that deal besides the investors? And the investors didn't invest in the boxing. That What they did was they, invest, they invested in, in funds that were given – to their their guy who was in with Al Heyman to make the investments for them. And he chose to make it into the con, which was uh, Al Heyman. So, so there was no repercussions all those investors could do, except pull their money from this guy, which they all did. That was all in the news uh, two years ago. Uh, but how does the TV networks turn around and give Al Heyman more cash to spend because he's going to piss it away. And Al Heyman, you know, the joke of it was so many people thought Al Heyman was being good for the boxers. Oh, he's getting them more money. He's getting them this. He's getting them that. Yeah. uh, Only a handful of them. And look what has happened since, you know, Al Heyman was making money for Al Heyman. No, everyone forgets that he was making money. And I love it when people say, well, Al Heyman wrote the check. He's paying this guy. No, Al Heyman has never reached in his pocket for a nickel of his own money ever. He has never, ever reached into his pocket. He has spent other people's money. You know, it's that simple. Anyway, he says uh, number four. So let me continue. Uh, Andre
2: is this
1: a 10 count? No, no, actually this is number 3 again. He says, "So let me continue with number 3. Andre just renewed with Banner and Star, but now he's with Dazden. It's unclear if he's with Matchroom Boxing or simply with Dazn via Star Banner. I don't know. I thought that he No, he did not. He is not with Banner and Star anymore. He has uh uh he has uh bought himself out of the contract and he signed with Matchroom. And Matchroom is got the deal with Dazn." Uh, so that's what that that's why he signed off and then got screwed out of his first fight and then fought for the first time uh, last week. He says do you think outfits like Star and Banner have a goal to build a guy and then take a big buyout from Dazen via cash out or is there gold goal to build up a guy and then loan him to a bigger promoter allowing him to get their 60 or 40% of a bigger purse uh, or a winning purse bid, and still able to retain him under contract for future fights. No disrespect to Artie Puello and Joe DeGuardia, but I hope Andre is exclusive to hern in, in matchroom. Um, he is. Andre uh, bought out his contract uh, from uh, uh, Joe and Artie, um, but I think that outfits like Star and Banner uh, Promotions do, their goal is to get a guy, build him up against bums locally, and then uh, get that big fight. And if they have to cash out at that time or not, they they do. Um, Joe DeGuardia, I'm good friends with him. Uh, He is a a guy that never really invests a ton of money, aside from local small shows. Uh, It is what it is. He makes out very well, and fighters that go with him uh, will choose to sign with Joe DeGuardia or Artie Puello of Banner. And do exactly that. Have someone that will put them in a position to get to that 20-0, and 22-0, and, and then hope that other doors open. Uh, Chris Algieri is an example. He was fighting with uh, Joe DeGuardia about his cut uh, and uh, uh, for the Pacquiao fight. So, uh, yeah, I think that those types of promoters do that, and they're an important part of the boxing game, Sal, because without promoters that build up potential opponents for the big stars, we have nothing. And that's the part of the sport that I totally don't understand. All of these moves are going towards that upper echelon of the fighters. But what about the club show fighter? What about the the guy starting out uh, under 10 fights? Those are the guys that are the backbones of the sport. Because those are the guys that when you have a small club show, they're the ones selling tickets. They're the ones selling tickets. They're the ones building up a fan base. And as soon as they get to a point where a bigger fish sees them uh, as a, a moneymaker, they get pulled from the little pond and they get thrown into the ocean. They might get protected a little bit uh, near the octopus's garden, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that eventually they're going to be fed to somebody. What do you think?
2: Well, that has been the natural progression you know, as far as I can remember. And, you know, I go back to the old days and I keep referring as we always do, but Lou Duva was a genius and he had a pool of fighters and I was one of them. And, you know, amongst them also was a Scott Frank, a Bobby Ches, a Vinny Pazienza, uh, a, 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 Rocky Lockeridge, Uh, and you know, we, we sold our tickets. We started out nice world total. To and, uh, we would sell our fan base, and we would bring our fans in, and certainly uh, the ice world would fill up with our fan base and it would grow and grow and grow until we were discovered by other fight uh, promoters and things. And then we'd be fighting the headliners or so down Atlantic City or the Garden or other things and rising to the occasion. But you're not going to see that anymore. You do see it. You do see it. But it has to be a, a, a making a strategy and a plan. These little club fighters that can evolve, that can grow, and that could could take the challenges as they as they take the baby steps into a, uh, a more of a, a, a competitive uh, role uh, later on after they get their experience. Yeah, those are the baby steps that that create the world champions that evolve from the little club fights. And you know we have to see and put faith and put put more significant value on those club fight shows. With the local promoters, with the little things happening, and the babysitters, and that's how we're going to see tomorrow's stars happen.
1: Well, I mean, the club shows run it, man. I mean, I, I don't understand, and they're the hardest ones to to deal with now.
2: Absolutely, and they're, they're, they're you know, it's not easy. And you know, you you have experience with it. I have experience with it, and and you know, it it takes the continuity, the success, the stick to itness, and the evolution of taking one show and letting it sustain itself to a level that increases for the next show and so on and so on and so on
1: yeah it's you know the uh the funny thing is is that you know without that level of fights the sport is that can't exist and some of these commissions that you know, are trying to be politically correct and look out for the safety of the fighters, etc., etc. They end up closing the door on the possibility of a small promoter to be successful. It's a shame, but anyway, yeah, listen, boys and girls, I appreciate you uh, joining us today and uh, watch, Sal? I'm running out of time. Come on, man.
2: I just wanted to say, Billy, you don't understand. I get stopped every day, every day now, from
1: by the oh, cops? Well, get your car inspected, and they won't stop you anymore.
2: They don't do that down here. Uh-uh. I, I, they don't inspect your car. Anyway, that <laughs> was the first question I asked the DMV. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, well, we got to get the car. Where's the sticker? No, we don't have stickers. Just just keep it safe. Anyway, so I want to send a big hello and a big thank you again to Scott Reifan, WGIG, GIG, let me tell you something. We we have a fan base down here, Billy, that's only growing and growing and growing. And uh, I, I love the men and women that come up to me and talk about the show and that they've heard it, they love it, they look forward to it. So I just want to give a real big shout-out to Scott Reif and all our friends at WGIG 1440 and thank them very much for the opportunity and all of our fans down here in Southeast Georgia that listen to us. Thank you very much, folks. We really appreciate
1: it. You're thanking them. I say this. We're lucky we're giving you the show. We're lucky we're giving you the show. You know? Tell Scott to put us on more. Maybe we'll be back more. <laughs> but, listen, we- but listen, boys and girls and children of all ages, uh, we enjoyed you joining us today, and uh, we look forward to joining us next time. So uh, uh, make sure I'll I, uh, well, uh, 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 uh. Until next time, I'll leave you with this. I forgot my own line. I forgot my own line. Until next time, I'll leave you with this. Make sure you tune in. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. That was actually the line.
2: Ciao, baby. (laughs)